the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese, joined as always by the Action Network's Mike Ionello. And a reminder to our audience that you can follow us on the Action app. Just type in BBOCG5 Deep Dive. You get about halfway through, you're going to be able to see us pop up. We're now over a thousand followers, which I feel like we're going to get a pretty solid bump after a great week five. We crush our round robin, split the best bets, and then our underdog Moneyline Parlay didn't hit, didn't come anywhere close to hitting. So we ended up getting a little bit of heat on the bad beat uh, hotline from one fan who referred to us as the G5 dumpster dive. And I got to say this, it's October. So let's go with a quote from Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. Fans don't boo nobodies. So I'll take it as a positive. I also think G5 dumpster dive would make for a great T-shirt. Maybe if, you know, me and Ionello's cartoon faces were looking out from a a dumpster raccoon style. I I could see that. We had one loss. It it, it was Kent. Kent should have won had 750 total yards offense. They fumbled the ball six times to outgain a team by almost 300 yards and only win in overtime is quite the feat. All right, it wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't do our G5 heroes. And I'm going to get it started with someone who absolutely needed to come through in the clutch for us. That was Coastal Carolina's CJ Beasley. Here was the situation. We needed 33 fourth quarter points to go over 62 and a half between Coastal and Georgia Southern. Final drive, it's 30 to 28. McCall's, you know, leading the shots down the field. I figure, okay, they're going to get into chippy field goal range, run the clock to, you know, two or three seconds, kick it, get out of there with the win. Not on Beasley's watch. He goes full on Superman, hurdles a guy in the middle of the field. Usually you see those hurdles on the sideline where if there's a single defender left, there's defenders everywhere. He jumps clear over this guy and gets a 20 plus yard rushing touchdown in the final minute to push this thing over. Beasley, I love you. And when you're winning games like that, that's usually a good sign. Who's your G5 hero from week five? I'm going another one that got us the win late. I'm going with the Jared Dagey revenge game. We were on Troy plus five and a half. Daggy's traveled around two seasons at Bowling Green, three seasons at West Virginia, and then seven months at Western Kentucky. People forget Hilltopper legend, Jarrett Daggy. He enrolled January 16th, entered the portal August 15th. Well, Gunnar Watson was hurt late in the third quarter. When he got out, came out, the game was tied 20 to 20. Daggy comes in against his formal te- former team, lifelong friends, I'm sure, and goes seven for eight, <laughs> 71 yards, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to lead Troy to a 34-27 win. Get us the cover and the outright win. Jared Daigie, Revenge Game, Hero of the Week. All right. I believe you have a new segment for us before we get into best bets. So let me have it. Yeah, I wanted to play a quick little game with you. We're about five weeks in. You know, at this point, every team's played probably at least one conference game. And if not, they are this week. A couple of teams have played two. Taking a look at the landscape of the G5, buy or sell. Here's who's currently leading the conferences. AAC, first place Memphis. 
four and one overall, two and zero in conference play. You buying or selling Memphis as the first place in the AAC? I'm gonna sell on that one. That one's pretty easy. Having purposefully watched all four quarters of Memphis versus Temple last week, their offense it just they're good but not great at anything. And I think to win the AAC, certainly given the state of their defense, they're gonna need to elevate their game whether it's Hennigan through the air or that running game to pop. I don't think either will. I think it's a bowl team, but certainly not you know a, a team that you should take seriously to win the AAC. I agree. There are two conference wins for Navy and Temple, two worst teams in the conference. Conference USA, first place North Texas, three and three overall, but two and two in conference play. You buying North Texas? Uh, I'm also going to sell on North Texas, although, you know, I'm a little bit impressed in terms of at least they bring something to the table that's a known quantity. They can run the football. They want to do that. But it, they have the feel of Conference USA team in the middle where they could beat just about anybody or lose to just about anybody. And I don't see them, you know, knocking off UTSA down the stretch. The Mac, I assume we're buying Toledo in the West. We all had that coming in. First place in the East, Buffalo. They are two and three overall, but their two wins are both conference games. You buying Buffalo? Yeah, we're going to keep this all the same here. Not buying Buffalo. Um, I, they, I think they played they, Bowling Green this week. They very well could start three and zero in conference play. That's true. I am all about Kent though for the Mac, and we'll get into it more later in the podcast. But yeah, I'm going to go with the Golden Flashes over the Bulls. Mountain West, first place in the West Division. UNLV four and one overall, two and zero in the Mountain West. You buying UNLV? UNLV has been to one bowl game since 2001. <laughs> They're going back this year. This team, when they have everybody healthy, when it's Kyle Williams and Ricky White on the perimeter, when you balance that with Aiden Robbins, I love this team. I think they're going to win the Mountain West West Division and get to a title game. You are, you're buying the Rebels. All right, last one. Tied for first place in the East with Kozel, who you just mentioned. Are you buying James Madison? Four and overall. 2-0 in conference play, wins against App State and Texas State. Are you buying James Madison? They can't They can't actually even win the conference, can they? But are you buying them that they'll finish at the top? You know, I'm kicking myself because I was looking at them coming into the season, and I, I thought I was a little higher on them than a lot of our you know colleagues here at the Action Network. It was always so difficult because it's not apples to apples in terms of metrics going from the FCS to the FBS. And Centeo, I mean, he, he couldn't hang on at Colorado State. So I thought to myself, all right, let's 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 not get out in front of our skis too much with the love for the Dukes. I think they can absolutely win the East. I think you are correct that they, they can't actually win the Sunbelt Conference this year. But I think they could finish on top. So I'm going to buy them. They haven't showed any indication that they're a fraud, um, you know, from early success in the season. So I'm going to stick with them. Heads up to our listeners out there. Friday is the start of the Major League Baseball playoffs. That means starting Friday, Action Network's baseball betting podcast, Payoff Pitch, will have new episodes basically every weekday through the World Series. So check out the Payoff Pitch podcast presented by our friends at BetMGM. All right, let's hop in now to our best bets. And I'm going to get started with the team that was our only loss from last week. Is that a flash? A golden flash? Flash! I still think this is the last opportunity to get a good number on Kent. They're playing against Miami of Ohio as a six-point favorite under that key number of seven, and they're coming off this game. I mentioned it at the top. 736 total yards against Ohio. They lose the turnover battle two to nothing. They put the ball on the turf six times. I just don't see Miami of Ohio getting that kind of fumble luck in a game like this. And when you look at the Red Hawks with Brett Gabbert, 
you know, on the shelf probably for the rest of the season. Avion Smith is a great runner. He carved up the Buffalo defense on the ground, but the kid can't pass. He's completing 50% of his passes this year, 36.8 QBR, takes a lot of sacks. So I do think you can see some havoc plays from a Kent State defense under Jeremiah Johnson. That has improved. We've talked a lot about him in the last couple of weeks coming off of that ridiculous non-conference slate where they played three top seven offenses nationally. I just look at this as a positive regression moment beyond the turnovers. They were in the red zone twice in the game against Ohio. They got to the Ohio 11. They took a sack. They took a penalty. They punted. Then they get to the Ohio 13 strip sack. They lose the the ball to a fumble. All of this is kind of hiding the fact that this is the best offense in the Mac against a backup quarterback. I'm not going to overthink it. going to stick with the golden flashes laying under a touchdown here. What are your thoughts on Schley and Marquez Cooper, maybe getting it done, holding on to the football a little bit better this week? Yeah, I like it. Like you said, they should have blown the doors off them last week. And I think we got we should have swept the board. We were a couple a couple fumbles away from sweeping the board. So I like it. I like going back to them too. All right. Best bet. What are you pairing up here in week six? It's always a little scary laying double digits with the service academy, but I'm gonna lay 10 with Air Force at Utah State. Utah State's bad, bad. Like they're really bad. They're one and four. Their only win being an eleven point victory at home against UConn. Although to be fair, it does look a little better now. UConn, don't let them get hot. Uh, it goes from bad to worse though. Logan Bonner's out for the season. Cooper Lagat takes over as the starter, and while he's much more mobile than Bonner, he can't really throw. He's completing just fifty four percent of his passes. Two touchdowns, three picks. He had twenty rushing attempts last week against BYU but only went for 52 yards. Like that's kind of hard to do from a quarterback perspective, right? Because half the time, like you usually get free and like you just walk for 20 yards. And Peyton Manning used to do that. Like 50, 50 yards on 20 attempts is bad. Um, Utah State, they're 112th in the country in success rate on offense, 128th in explosiveness, 119th in finishing drives. They can't do anything right. They're 28th in the nation in rushing rate. And then just 114th in success rate. They they run the ball a ton and can't run it well. And then on the other side of the ball, Air Force is first in the country in rushing rate. And they're eighth in the country in success rate. So they do it well. They're third in the nation in yards per carry, which is ridiculous for a service academy. They average 6.3 yards per carry. And they run it every play. <laughs> so, you know, normally with these service academies, you'll have them be first in rush rate. And, you know, when you look at yards per game, it's like, yeah, of course they run for 300 yards per game. That's all they do. But then their success rates are usually in like the 50s, you know. 6.3 yards per carry for a team that runs at every play is absurd. And when they do pass, no one's expecting it. So they lead the country in passing explosiveness because every time they throw the ball, it goes for a huge chunk. Utah State's defense is 113th in the nation. They're allowing 4.7 yards per carry. They also sit 110th in passing explosiveness allowed. Utah State lost four straight games by at least 10 points, including a 28-point loss to FCS Weber State. I think Air Force just runs it down the throat. I'll lay the 10 with the Falcons. I agree wholeheartedly with your analysis there. You do not want to play a clinical Air Force triple option based on just all of the difficulties that Utah State has on both sides of the ball. And the efficiency element of it, I think it makes it far more likely that Air Force is going to be able to cover the number. I, I like that a lot. We're going to hop in now to our round robin, our five picks here in week six. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five. I'm going to turn right back to you. Let's go three picks from you, two picks from me. See if we can get another clean sweep. So we had some success Friday night last week. So I'm going back to Friday night. Also, has Houston played like every Friday night? Do they just not play on Saturdays anymore? 
But I'm going back to Friday night. I'm taking the Houston Memphis over 57 and a half. Houston lost running back all in McCaskill during the spring practice. Now they just lost to Sean Henry to ankle surgery. I think that's going to cause them to rely even more on Clayton Toon and Tank Dell. Toon's averaging 32 attempts per game passing right now, and I think that's probably going to go up, to be honest with you. He's got nine touchdowns, three interceptions. Five of those touchdowns have gone to Tank Dell. I don't think there's really a corner in the G5 that can slow down Tank Dell, so I'm not really worried about him getting his. And while this offense hasn't really been good, they're at least they're 31st in points per opportunity. So at least they finish drives when they get down there. Having a veteran quarterback, having a go-to receiver really helps with that. If they do rely on the passing game more, Memphis ranks 104th in the country in passing success rate. They're 93rd in EPA per play, and they're going to be without one of their starting cornerbacks. So I do think they'll be able to get plays through the air against Memphis. Meanwhile, we already know Memphis wants to throw the ball with Seth Hennigan. They're fourth in the conference in passing attempts per game. Henning has got nine touchdowns, just one interception. Houston's defense has been really bad this season. They're 72nd against the pass, 103rd against the run, 117th in tackling. Um, they lo- Their only thing they did well was get after the quarterback. They lost their pass rusher, their best pass rusher for the season, and they just lack experience in the secondary. So I think Hannigan's going to be able to throw the ball on him. He's going to have more time than you know, you'd expect against the Houston team. Memphis runs super fast, so it's going to challenge the Houston depth. And Houston's not much slower, to be honest. So both these teams are in the top 50 in finishing drives. Both these teams allow explosiveness. They run fast. They are going to throw the ball, keep the ball in the air. Give me over 57 and a half on Friday night. Yeah, I think I'd play that all the way up to 62, to be honest. Because really, at this point in the season, totals, when you're playing them over, if you have pace and you have explosiveness, those are the two elements that you need. And you have that in spades in this one. Um, speaking of overs, I'm going to go with the Conference USA over a rematch of the Conference USA title game. Western Kentucky traveling to the Alamo Dome to take on USA. The high and one. I, it's a high one, but you know what? <laughs> I like it because let's talk pace. UTSA sixth nationally in plays per game. Western Kentucky, no slash in that department, 27th. This is a matchup of two teams averaging over 500 yards per game. And also, I think we need to give a shout out to Clark Cephas and Zachary Franklin on UTSA. They are in the ballpark of being the first receiving trio in the history of NCAA football to all average over 100 yards per game. Clark and Cephas are already there, and Franklin averages 98.2 yards per game. So and he's just, the best one. And he's the best one. It, it's absolutely <laughs> insane what's going on with the Roadrunners right now. And when you look at it, both teams, this pops to me. So UTSA, 10th in total offense, 116th in total defense. Allow When it comes to allowing plays of 30 yards or more, they're 127th nationally. Now, Western Kentucky, 12th in total offense, 48th in defense, but you don't have to do all that much of a deep dive to understand why they're 48th in total deep. They played Austin P. they played Hawaii, they played Indiana, they played FIU, and they played Troy, who was on a backup quarterback who had transferred from Western Kentucky. So with all of that mixed in, I think they're at best probably 70s, 80s in terms of who they really are on defense. And I don't think they have any chance of of slowing down Frank Harris. I mean, this is a UTSA team that, you know, won 45-30 last week against Middle Tennessee. And they probably left points on the board. You had three interceptions from Frank Harris in that game and including one in the red zone. So there could have been more points for the Roadrunners. The fact that both of these teams run essentially the same offensive system last year from a title game that went to 90 Yes, 72 and a half seems like a lot, but it's not too rich for my blood. I'm going over in this Conference USA battle. What are your thoughts on a very high number? I may be the highest on the board for the entire week, but I'm going over. 
Yeah, anything starting with a seven always scares me, unless it's like you know those old Texas Tech teams. But I don't hate it. I you know you know what I think about Frank Harris. I think if you're a fantasy, if you're a college fantasy football player, this is an Austin Reed smash spot. I think this UTSA secondary is really bad. It'll be a fun one. It's it's gonna, it's one of those things that you you'll never feel like the over is safe, but it'll be a fun sweat that I don't hate one bit. Yeah, I think these teams are capable of combining for 35 points in a quarter. You, you just hope for a hot start and efficiency in the red zone because that's really what it comes down to with huge numbers. Can't be settling for field goals or turning it over, you know, inside the 20. Yeah, for my next play, I know, I know how high I've been on this Georgia State team. I'm taking Georgia Southern plus three. I bet Georgia State all season. They finally get a win. Now I'm turning around and fading them. Look, this defense is horrible. You know, even in that win against Army, they allowed 354 rushing yards. Panthers defense is 114th in rushing success, 116th in pass success. They're 92nd in coverage, 120th in tackle. I mean, they're bad everywhere. Meanwhile, I love this Georgia Southern offense. I mean, seriously, Georgia Tech should hire Clay Helton, right? Because he's done in five games what Jeff Collins couldn't do in four years. I mean, to go from a triple option to this spread style scheme and have it work so quickly has been remarkable. What Clay Helen has done there that until last year, they ranked top six in the country in rushing rate in every single year since 2014. Now they're fourth in the country in pass attempts per game with 47. They're just below Mississippi state. And this Eagles offense is 10th in the country in passing success rate, 17th in rushing success rate. I also want to give someone credit. Obviously, Zach Kitley got all the headlines and talk last season, especially by us for his Western Kentucky team. But Kitley was technically the co-offensive coordinator with Brian Ellis. Well, now Brian Ellis is the offensive coordinator for Georgia Southern, and he deserves a ton of credit, not only for what he helped do at Western Kentucky, but what he has immediately done with this Georgia Southern offense. I mean, Kyle Van Treese was like a who, who cares guy at Buffalo. He's averaging 315 yards per game. They got Derwin Burgess, Caleb Hood, Jeremy Singleton, all of them great on the outside, all pick up huge plays. They don't run the ball ton, obviously, but when they do run it, Jalen White's averaging over six yards per carry. He's got seven touchdowns on the year. And this offense is one of the best in the country, is the best in the country at preventing havoc. They play at a super high pace. I think this game is going to be a shootout. Both these teams play super fast. I think this is going to be kind of a back and forth game. And as crazy as it sounds, I trust Georgia Southern's offense more than Georgia State's at this point because I think they've been able to throw the ball better than Georgia State has. And, you know, Granger's made some mistakes this year. And I think Ben Treese, he has too as well. But I just, I trust Georgia Southern's offense more. So in a game I think is going to be a shootout, give me three points in the battle in the Peach State. Yeah, and signs of life from the Georgia Southern defense, because that was the the fear in, in general with this Georgia Southern team. You know, was it fool's gold with their early success, including that upset in Nebraska? But they did a really nice job holding a Grayson McCall-led offense kind of at bay. You know, it ends up being a shootout in the fourth quarter, and they give up that final touchdown. But I think overall, that's an encouraging sign, because that's the best quarterback you're going to play for the entire year. So going into a game like this where, you know, you're projecting it to be a shootout, I think they may be able to get off the field, you know, on third or fourth down. So hopefully they can. In this spot, this may sound like deja vu, but we have the bounce house matchup between SMU and UCF. I'm going to play it again. For some reason, this number has come down. Hurricane Ian is long gone. 
light winds, clear skies tonight at the bounce house, 62 and a half. I'm playing the over here and I'll run through these, you know, these notes very quickly because, you know, we talked about it last week, but SMU third in pace, UCF eighth in pace. SMU is going to throw the ball more than any team in the entire country. And when you look at Tanner Mordecai, we talked about him struggling against good teams and well-coached defenses, even in a loss against Joe Gillespie defense. And I have great respect for Gillespie, everything he did at Tulsa. He still throws for 372 yards and they score 34 points. This UCF secondary is not as good as I I think he's faced, you know, in in terms of the, the landscape of the entire season, but UCF, their strength is the front seven and not their secondary. So I think you're going to see some points. And then when UCF has the ball, man, the Gus bus is rolling 321 yards against FAU. He follows that up with 298 against a listless Georgia tech team and SMU. They, they can't get in the transfer portal in the middle of the season and fix this run defense. They're 118th against the run 5.4 yards per carry seeing both teams run up tempo, both teams having success in different ways through the air and on the ground. I see this number blitzing past 62 and a half. And I also think it's going to be a kind of an electric energy in the bounce house to have a weird midweek game that's getting national publicity. And the fact that everything is is now fine in Orlando weather-wise, there's no reason for me to throw the brakes on this over. Anything from your side of this in this AAC matchup that should, at least on paper, be a shootout? I'm just curious if you hit this, did we technically get a win from last week and this week on the pod? Because um, you well, I, well, I can I can say from my own personal money management, I've done the only thing that you can do in this situation, which is double bet. You know, I had one bet voided, but I am putting two units on this play instead of just one. So yeah, I think it should count for week five so, and week six. Since this is obviously the podcast is going to come out later this afternoon, everyone's going to bet this game. I want to let's stick on here for a second because I've actually been going back and forth struggling if I want to bet the over or if I want to bet UCF minus two and a half. Because I agree with you. I think the bounce house is going to be rocking. Weird Wednesday night, you know. And I think that UCF can run it down SMU's throat. The question is, do they have enough to stop Tanner Mordecai in this passing attack? So, obviously, you prefer the over. But what are your thoughts on you on, on laying the two and a half with the Knights as well? So, UCF's pretty average in all the passing metrics, 30s or 40s. But they're 35th in sack rate. And that's why I would lean UCF in this game because Tanner Mordecai, it's a a tale of two quarterbacks. When they keep him upright and his jersey clean, he picks teams apart. It doesn't matter if it's this season or last season. But when he's under duress, as he was against TCU, throws two picks. So that's the question. If you believe in the UCF pass rush, which I kind of lean in that direction, then I think it's a smart play. Maybe parlay them together. All right, I'll jump in quick to my last play. I'm fading middle Tennessee again. It worked last week. I'm going back to it. I'm taking UAB minus nine, nine and a half. Uh, Middle Tennessee gave up 590 yards to UTSA. Roadrunners averaged 7.2 yards per play, 167 on the ground, 423 through the air. UAB is eighth in the country in rushing rate. They averaged 220 yards per game, five and a half yards per carry. Dwayne McBride is an absolute beast. He leads the country with 173.7 yards per game. He has six touchdowns in three games. He's averaging seven yards per carry. He's averaging more than five yards after contact per carry. He is an absolute monster. And, you know, quarterback Dylan Hopkins hasn't really been asked to do much all year. He's averaging just 18 attempts per game, but he's completing 70, almost 70% of his passes. He's averaging 9.1 yards per attempt, which I love to see that from a quarterback who doesn't throw much. And if they did want to open it up a little bit, 
This middle Tennessee defense is a pretty good one to do it against. Um, UAB's defense, on the other hand, has been really good against the pass. They're 38th in success rate. They're 7th in coverage grade. Their secondary is sick. And Middle Tennessee throws the ball at one of the highest rates in the league. So they're two, they have 204 yards. 204 yards is the most that UAB has allowed passing all season. They have nine interceptions while allowing just two passing touchdowns. So I don't expect Middle Tennessee to be able to throw the ball all over the yard against them. And while, you know, the Blazers are coming off a weird loss at Rice where they outgained them 356 to 209, uh, I like the Blazers to bounce back here. UAB is like sneaky, one of the best home teams in college football. They're 2-0 and against the spread and straight up at home this year. 0-2 in both on the road. Since 2017, if you take out the COVID season where there's no fans, and I don't count that, UAB is 19-5-1 against the spread at home. In conference games over that stretch, they're 12-3 against the spread at home. And that, that goes, you know, that's Legion Field and Protective Stadium. So the Blazers have just been dominant in Birmingham. I'm going to lay the nine and a half. I think they bounce back at home here. Why not go with the Blazer team that may be laying in the weeds ready for a nice run here in Conference USA? And here's Stucky with a word from our sponsor, BetMGM. As a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, now we turn to something we've struggled a little bit with, but some would say we're due. Here we go, the Moneyline Underdog Parlay of Week 6. I'm going to get it started, and you know what? I'm going to tee you up for this with a question of my own. What do you think of Shevin Cordero, San Jose State's quarterback? Oh, I think he stinks, but I did bet on him last week, and he came through for me. But he does well, think. Their defense he, is good, though. Their defense is good, and their past <laughs> defense in particular is top 10 in a few key metrics, but they've played some really lousy, lousy passing attacks. This one, to me, is the culmination of everything that's been working for Marcus Arroyo and in Las Vegas. I think this is a squad that offensively, if Kyle Williams is healthy, apparently he's a game-time decision with a, a leg injury, according to their coaching staff. If he's ready to go, Ricky White and Williams on the perimeter – Brumfield, who we all assumed it was going to be Harrison Bailey 
at quarterback. And we, you know, when you get a, a power five program player in there, it was a fait accompli that he was going to be the QB one Brumfield showing why he held him off. He's been great. He's been a true dual threat, 13 total touchdowns against just two turnovers. And then you fold in Aiden Robbins, this guy talk about, you're talking about McBride being a wagon. This, this transfer from Louisville, he is a beast. He's got eight touchdowns on the year already. I really like UNLV. I like underdogs that can score. I like when they have balance offensively. I think they just need a little bit of turnover luck. And at plus 220, I think this should be much closer to like a three or four point spread. This is all the way up to a touchdown. So I'll take advantage of the value north of two to one. UNLV, I understand it's been it's been some time since they've been good. They ended the season on a 24 and 67 run, but here they are, four and one on the year you know, knocking on the door of bowl eligibility. They need to get a win like this to get over the hump. But the Mountain West this year is wide open. You know, when Boise is not Boise anymore and Fresno has quarterback issues with Hayner on the shelf, this, anybody can win this conference at this point. So why not UNLV? Or is it Chevin Cordero in your heart? Kind of like, you know, friends become enemies, enemies become friends. No, I, he stinks. Uh, <laughs> I will say, you want to know, know what I love about you, Breeze? You're a lot braver than me. We have yet to win, hit a single one of these underdog bets, and you're still out here swinging at touchdown dogs. I love it. I respect the hell of it because I don't have that kind of balls. I'm going a little baby plus 130. Play Minor Nation. Just give it to me. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Sometimes when you, you can't win a bet with your brain, you got to start picking with your heart a little bit more. But anyway, my brain does tell me Louisiana Tech's really bad. They're one and three this year. They're lone wins against Stephen F. Austin. Granted, I mean, they played Missouri Clemson, but they also got blown out by South Alabama last week. They're 109th in the country in success rate on both offense and defense. They're 105th in finishing drives, 116th at creating havoc. They don't do a thing well. They have used both Parker McNeil and Matthew Downing at quarterback. They've combined for nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. The defense has been shredded, especially on the ground. And, you know, UTEP clearly hasn't been what they were last year, but they've won two straight. They're starting to get better. And I like the way they've won the two straights with a low-scoring game against Boise State where their defense absolutely dominated, basically got half their coaching staff fired. And then they turn around and win a shootout against Charlotte. So they've kind of had to do it both ways. And I think that'll help both their defense and their offense come into this game with some confidence. Hardison's got four touchdowns and no turnovers in the last two weeks. And they're finally running the ball better with Awa and Hankins. And they should be able to have success running the ball against this, against this Louisiana Tech team. At the end of the day, I just think UTEP's a better team than La Tech this year. La Tech stinks. And so... A little bit of a heart pick. You know how we love Minor Nation on this pod. So when you need a win, you call up a friend. Plus 130 picks up. Well, first off, I appreciate you giving me the hat tip for being ballsy. I mean, cue up the Billy Napier, scared money, don't make no money, drop. Scared money, don't make money, you know. When you put these two plays together, it's plus 650, according to BetMGM. So go ahead and lock that one in. So I'm going to run you through all of our picks here in week six. Our best bet has a little bit of a lightning connection, Air Force and Kent State. The Falcons laying 10, Kent State laying 6 against uh, Miami of Ohio. And then our G5 high five, the Houston-Memphis total going over 57.5. 
Georgia Southern plus three, UAB minus nine, Western Kentucky traveling to the Alamo Dome to play UTSA over 72 and a half. And tonight at the Bounce House, SMU UCF over 62. So those are all of our plays here in week six. Any final thoughts about either the landscape, our plays, strategy as the calendar turns to October? By the way, that, that caller called us the uh, the G5 dumpster dive. He got lucky because I got two absolute dumpster plays I left on my cutting room floor. I couldn't even, even I didn't have the, the courage to do to our listeners. First one, Hawaii plus 21 against San Diego State. I don't think San Diego State's even going to score 21 points. How is that possible? I looked there, San Diego State's team total, and I get Hawaii's bad. San Diego State's team total in that game is 34 and a half. San Diego State couldn't score 35 points against a high school JV team. So 20 plus 21, under 48. I might play something in that game just to fade San Diego State's offense. The other one, I'm just saying, UConn Huskies are giving five points on the road. Come on, Huskies. They got that dog in them. I may have to lay the points with the Huskies on the road. I, when's the last time they've laid over a field goal on the road? Probably never. <laughs> well, let's let's pause here at week six of the college football season. Kansas is nationally ranked. UConn's laying points on the road. It's a the full Stranger Things upside down world right now. But I'll throw in another dumpster pick here. How about UMass catching 24 and a half at home against Liberty, who may be on their third string quarterback again with Salter? He ends up getting pulled last week. If it's Bennett, Bennett stinks. So I'll go ahead and take 24 points with UMass. Like, why don't we just bundle that up? That is our G5 dumpster dive parlay of the week New six. England, it- the New England trash parlay. <laughs> I've rather hand in my papers. World needs plenty of bartenders. Well, for Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Group of Five Deep Dive under the Big Bets on Campus podcast banner brought to you by BetMGM. Reminder to our listeners that Thursdays, Stucky and Colin will drop all of their best plays across the entire board, covering all 133 FBS football teams, maybe even some FCS schools in there as well. And then Saturday, our live show with Colin Stucky and Brett McMurphy, a great place to start your Saturday. Get all that last bit of you know real-time intel, injuries, coaching intrigue, all of those things. So please listen, subscribe, comment, call the Bad Beat hotline. We'd love to hear it. <laughs>